Alright, alright, quieten down now. Live from the Britain Yankee Pub Studios. Another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Pubcast. I can hear the pints being pulled right now. Take it away, lad. You are paying for that beer, aren't you? Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. Hello everybody, this is Phil Clark, the Brit. Just giving you a quick warning that this is our first podcast we've done on audio for about a month, and I'm a little rusty. So bear with us, the first eight minutes of this recording had my mic turned down so you couldn't really hear me clearly. I've done a little post-processing wizardry, and I think it's okay. Just bear with me for eight minutes or so, but mainly listen to Lane Fearing from the Roaring Table Brewing Company. Hello everybody, welcome to yet another edition of the Pubcast from the Britain Yankee. Although we're not in the Britain Yankee this time around, this is Pubcast number 366 and we have been wanting to do this one for quite some time. We've had a few postponements uh, due to one thing or another but we've made it up to Lake Zurich and we are at Roaring Table Brewing Company. And I'm sitting at a table which is very chunky, but it's not roaring. I'm glad to say that with me is my co-host for today, Mr. Ken McMullen. Hello, Ken. Uh, buenos dias, Phil. Buenos dias, uh, Senor Ken. <laughs> hey, look, I've been looking up on my uh, Spanish there. Excellent. <laughs> we'll speak Spanish all the way home. Yes, and I uh, just want to let everybody know before we get going that you can find us on all the best podcast apps, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, to name but three. There are hundreds of them. Pick it, we're probably there. And if we're not there, then we shouldn't be using the app. Um, you can also find us on our YouTube video channel. So just find Brit and Yankee, spell out the and, and if you have any emails, which we never ever get, do we? Uh, do you get any emails? I don't check your email. Well, so. no, you don't check my email. But. I get emails. <laughs> anyway, if you, if you want to send us an email, pites at thebritanyankee.com. Without further ado, I think it's time to introduce a special guest who is sitting across from us and is uh, absolutely uh, on his own today, though he's part of a partnership, and we'll talk about that in a second. Welcome, owner, brewer, Lane Fury. How are you? Did I pronounce that? That's, that's it. Thank okay. you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much indeed for allowing us to come here on a closed day. Yeah. Well, and leading us off with a cask. Leading us up. now, you know how much I love cut scale, right? Now, uh, our chum from art history, Greg Brown, and there is an association here, which we'll get to later on in the podcast. He's brewed a Yorkshire bitter called Dithering. Dithering is the name. Dithering is All the right. name. Lane. I'm going to remember that now. Okay. <laughs> and he has used Timothy Taylor yeast in it. 
I don't know whether or not you've stolen his recipe, but I think you said you used Timothy Taylor yeast. I did indeed, yes. And you calling, you're calling this a... I believe this is a best bitter because I think it's in the 4.3%, 4.2% range. So it's in that middle, middle ground. So it is one of the best bitters. I'm going to say this is uh, at both ends of the spectrum here, from the north to the south, I mean, you've got a great pint of cask ale up here at Roaring Table. This is absolutely tremendous. Great, you've got some competition. <laughs> yeah. Pulled through, pulled through a beer engine. I believe it had a sparkler on it, right? I did. I did put that on there. Yeah. Um, we it's sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. I know there's a bit of a rivalry between the north and the south regarding sparklers, but uh, oh yeah, in England. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're proud of our cask engine, and and we think it's a really fun way to drink beer and not enough places uh, do it to yeah. be honest so I agree this is actually a really good way to start a beer mm -hmm. drinking day I think a beer drinking evening yeah Ken you of course do the furkery so used used to do used the furkery and we'll do again we'll do when again. we can ha safely have crowds together so there we go we've got we've got two fantastic cast beers we'll, we'll do a rivalry beer there a beer off you know yeah. cask off <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, now, uh, Lane, you're, I think you're your good lady wife, right? Yes, my wife, Beth. Beth, thank you. Because <laughs> when, you, when you're looking at your website, it says Beth May. Yeah, we're, we're one of these modern couples that didn't, she didn't, wasn't interested in my last name. And I actually, her name is a lot easier. So uh, I've, I'm kind of migrating towards being Lane May kind of by default when the deliveries show up and I'm okay with that because it just she uh, was the one who I talked to at a craft uh, guild meeting and said hey we've got to come up and have a chat with you we've heard some really good things about the brewery and she's not here tell us why so uh, she's very busy she ha I only have one job she has two so she, she kind of runs the front of this house and, and she, she's a graphic designer so she has done all the all the design for this place including labels and posters and the interior design of our tap room and so she had a deadline for her real job today that was was interfered with by a big storm that just came through here and our power's out so uh, she said look I gotta you gotta cover for me and I said of course because I kind of figured that would involve some beer drinking so <laughs> I said I'll, I'll sign up for that task and uh, so she said she might try to get by here but I kind of doubt it given how much stuff she's got going on yeah so well, that, and that's that's absolutely fantastic but you know she's she's paying attention to yeah paying the bill she, she keeps we say she keeps the trains running on time around here you which you need so now you talked about the graphic design part I think Ken you had a question about their logo uh, yeah, you know what? I I saw the logo. It looks like a jester hat, yeah. right? Yep. I'm looking at the shirts up there. Yeah, that's our icon. It's like a tulip with a jester's cap on top of it. So what? how does the name and logo tie together? What What's the story there? Well, uh, unfortunately, I, I t tend to make things more complicated than they should be. I have two answers for that. So the easy answer is just my, my sense of having uh, have had a long love affair with beer since before I probably should have even. Yeah, uh, right, like I have, most of us. Right, I have a lot of fond memories of uh, my, par my parents uh, are up in Wisconsin and uh, just sitting around on the patio in the summertime, sometimes in the fall or the winter or the spring, but the summer in particular, and just drinking beer together and poking fun at each other and, and uh, uh, you know, over the course of time, 
getting a little loud and maybe 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 it's an hour or two past the time we should have had dinner but it's it's a long beautiful evening so just that sense of being around this table making noise together because beer for me has always been a, a social you know it's a it's a it's just you know it's something that's so there's something special about beer that no other alcoholic beverage uh, does you know which is just just shoot the shoot the shit with your buddies you know mm-hmm. your family and so that's just the obvious one and then there's a scene in Shakespeare's play Hamlet where he uh, it's called the grave digger scene it's fairly famous but he he encounters the skull of his former uh, um, court jester and he reminisces about in his youth how how much fun they had together and how this guy would would tell all these jokes and he you know they would have these feasts and he would set the table on a roar and that's so that's kind of the, nice. that's the little Shakespearean referenced and that's so in this in our logo I like to think that the the glass of beer is is the jester in the sense that it, it, it brings everybody together and, and gives them permission to kind of be a little sillier than they would in their everyday lives so I love well that. and I think that's probably the first time that Shakespeare has played a role in a beer name yeah <laughs> or at least a brewery well, name I don't know <laughs> I you know are we pretentious because of that or is it just something that 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 struck my you know my literary fancy, having always kind of fancied myself semi-literary type of guy, you know. I love it. I, mean, I don't, I beer, don't care. beer definitely builds community. Yeah. There's no yeah. doubt yeah. about yeah, that. Absolutely, and I we're love all the tie-in. sitting around there clanking our glasses. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, cheers. Yeah. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. Um, to be or not to be. To beer or not to beer. <laughs> that is two the beers or not. Or two, yeah, or, or two more <laughs> beers to be. Yes. So that's where the name came from. Yeah. And um, as we sit in here, the 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 actual tables as I said are really nice this is like a nice chunk of something yeah. I don't know what it is it looks it's like ash. oak it's oh ash. it's ash yeah we oh. got this is all the whole you made bar. an ash of yourself yes indeed oh, this go. is the, this is all custom made by a guy that we found in uh, I think he's in East Dundee but he, oh. he reclaims old uh, trees especially after that you know diseases like the ash borer came in and took down a lot of tr- like trees and he 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 makes them into these beautiful things. So, like at the bar, you see it's a live edge. They actually—that's actually one large tree that was c- cut into sections and then rebuilt to show the, the you know, the, the live edge right. of the bar. It's beautiful, and, it, so, and yeah. it's when you talk wood, a lot of times you think like a dark stained wood, and this yeah. is more of like a golden, natural kind yeah. of finish. Yeah, which is why I thought right it was in oak. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like a golden oak. Yeah, they're really nice and really chunky. And they're yeah, they're fun and to move. The nice too. long <laughs> yeah, tables, there. community long exactly. tables. Exactly. Yeah. We wanted to have some tables yeah. that you could meet, you know, sit with other people who weren't necessarily just, you know, in your party. So. And then as we sit here, we look towards the back of the store because you're basically in a strip. Oh yeah, here, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, this used to you're be a furniture, end, right? It's we're in this little nook. It's kind of an L-shaped mall. And there's this little nook, so there's a little teeny courtyard there, and then it goes down uh, towards the the Petco and Party City and stuff. But no, we uh, we're in a strip mall, and so Beth's goal, I think, and she did a good job, was to when you walked in here, you kind of forget that you're in a strip mall. And uh, but yeah, this was a furniture store before we got to it with drop ceilings oh, and all the no- okay. you know. So there, it, we had to take this apart and re re put it together uh, to make it like this. So as I say, you look to the back of it, and then you have your uh, fermenters, your, your bright tanks, and this beautiful-looking uh, fooder. Fooder. I was fooder. Okay, how do you pronounce it? I, I say fooder. I've heard both fooder? both ways. Yeah, that's that's the way we say it in English. But it's in French. It'd be like foudre. Foudre. 
food. Yeah. Yeah, you I hardly know, I've pronounce seen, the R-E. I've seen it spelled F-O-E-D-E-R. That's why it's, everybody's confused because it's R-E at the end, right? Well, right. but I've seen it spelled F-O-E-D-E-R as well as F-O-U-D-R-E. Yeah. I think the last oh. one is the French and the first one is probably like... You know what, lads? Something it's else. A bloody great, it's a <laughs> bloody great big wooden barrel. That's it's what a, it is. A, it's it's a, beautiful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stainless bands on it and it looks brand new. Yeah, that was uh, so we got that in July of 2017, and that was one of the very first things that I, I brewed for to get that filled, two turns of Cezanne into there, and pitched uh, some some uh, some Brett and some Pediococcus, Lactobacillus, some dregs from some of our favorite uh, Belgian sours, and then uh, we've never repitched again. It's a living wow. th- entity right now. Is that so. where uh, Elizabeth? the saison came from which i uh, think got a 91 on craft beer and brewing yeah yeah that was that was a that was just a saison i don't believe there's any food or beer in that but we do have some blends that do utilize food or beer and then we also have a bottle uh that is just straight food or beer which is you know in the spirit of a, a goose i guess but not not spontaneous but uh but you know a tart blonde solera kind mm-hmm. of beer so and I, I mentioned uh, craft beer and brewing because, uh, man, there's so many subjects coming up here. My mind's flowing. So you're talking about say, oh, I banged my mic. <laughs> um, I'm talking about saisons. I want to get onto that in the next segment. Talk about your saisons. Yeah. But I know craft beer and brewing came up uh, the magazine, and they they preempted us, Ken. You know, from yeah. last week, I think it was. But they came. No, they came out little... and they were interviewing you. Yeah. Uh, for an article, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so. It was, it's super flattering that they, they, they do this thing called Breakout Brewers in every issue, two or three breweries that they ha- have a little feature article on, and uh, they contacted us and said that we'd, they'd like to do us, and, and so I believe we're going to be in the, the December end of year issue. And so uh, Kate Bernot interviewed us, and uh, we talked all kinds of stuff about the brewery and beer, and uh, Certainly, uh, you know that's that's a great magazine. It's national. Everybody in in the brewing industry, I think, is familiar with it. So it's for us. It's obviously some some nice exposure and some nice, I guess, validation that, that what we've been trying to do is 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 starting to, you know, pay dividends in terms of people enjoying our beer. And so. I think you've had a number of your beers rated on there, and I do want to talk about one of those in another segment. Okay. So Keep that thought going there. Okay. I think we're coming to the end of our pints. Yeah. And so I think the end of the first segment comes to a close. Yeah. At which point we're going to raise our glasses and move on to another style. Right. So we'll be back our, in just a second. Our oh. imperial pints. Our, oh, they're imperial yeah. pints. Absolutely. And you know what? They've got Roaring Table on, the, yeah. on them. They're, they're logos. I bet John Bitterman's been out here getting one of these, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back in just a second. All right, we're back, and in the background, I hear uh, your your assistant brewers are doing things, cleaning up after your day of brewing what I think was a Kolsch, right? Yeah. 
yeah which is good and you, and that's for a special occasion so tell us about that before you before you crack open what i see in front of me and i'm i'm going to do a little video of this okay. so carry on uh, well, uh, the Kolsch won't be ready for our party, but we are having a fourth anniversary party on the September 25th, and probably the next day, too, I wouldn't doubt. Um, so we have been busy getting beers ready for, uh, for our party. We've done a lot of beers like this, which are bottle-conditioned, and in my opinion, the Cezanne is it's just not the same if it isn't bottle-conditioned. I mean, you can have it on draft, and it's great, but a uh, bottle-conditioned Cezanne is the best, best version. So we have, and then we have done some blends with our sour stuff. We have a number of big stouts that people seem to like these days. Uh, and, uh, and then we have, we're gonna can, normally we can two beers a month. This, this month we're doing four. So we have a hazy IPA, a double hazy IPA, a Doppelbach, kind of out of season, but I don't care. And then a big vanilla milk stout porter, whatever, whatever that's called these days, so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we should have plenty of beer. Uh, come on out on the 25th to Roaring Table. <laughs> so that sounds absolutely fantastic. And uh, what is sitting in front of you looks absolutely fantastic. So I said, yeah, we've got to try Beth the Saison. Now, who is that named after? Yeah, <laughs> my, my lovely wife who uh, keeps the trains running on time here at Roaring Table. Yeah. So and what, uh, was, is this got anything to do with um, Elizabeth, yes, which was your first one? So Elizabeth was the first one, and that, that one was a, a blend with some of our sour beer, our fooder beer. Uh, and so I thought, all right, I want to do, do a house Cezanne. And uh, my preferred yeast for that is the DuPont strain, because DuPont is probably the best beer in the universe. So we, we said, all right, we're going to not blend this with anything mixed culture. We're just going to have a house Cezanne. And we brewed it in that tote over there, and it took a long time. But uh, I thought it turned out pretty darn well and bottle conditioned it. And now it's, uh, to me, it's just like very close to it, the perfect uh, desert island beer, you know. <laughs> wow. Just, if I could get a Saison on a desert island, I want to be stranded. You, you, won't, <laughs> you won't feel as so, bad if you're, if you're stranded. Go, go ahead. Crack it open. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to video this so that you can actually see Hopefully. the fantastic. Go ahead, all man. Right, yeah, okay. we're, we're all squared. Yeah, I'm, I'm good here. Look at that. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, now, uh, you're going to have to go out to our YouTube channel and see this being poured because it's being poured by an expert, I can tell you. Look at that. Now, you get a lot of head in Belgian beers, right? It's pretty aggressively carbonated, I think. And that's okay because supposedly they like to drink their beer through the head. It, the, the bubbles give you more flavor. Is that right, Ken? It releases aromatics so that you can really enjoy the beer fantastic I mean, most of your taste is through your olfactory senses so oh well let's all do a cheers These in the middle beautiful glasses fantastic oh, wow. this is really good well thank you for opening oh, up that smells bottle. delicious so tell us the story of uh now you're gonna have to go uh to our audio and listen to this because i'm not holding this damn video <laughs> camera all through this uh but um tell us the is there good stuff is there good stuff on the bottom Oh, there's there's yeast down there, so we right. we always encourage people to let it settle for a little while in their fridge before they pour it and, and decant a little bit. That last ounce is a little you can drink it, but it's it's a little yeasty. So, so tell us the story of this then. Is there is there more? Is there, is this like the yeast that you've continued to keep 
in your uh, uh, folder? Fooder? No, this is just this is uh, this is Omega's Cezanne One, I think it's called. Um, but it's the du I, I, it's my understanding it's the Dupont. I mean, you can smell it's the Dupont strain, yeah. you know. And so uh, this is beautiful. It's, you know, oh. Dupont is just such a beautiful beer. So I, my goal was just to try to make a beer that was similar to Dupont. Yeah. And you know, I get I get that lem lemon custard and peppers, peppercorn. I, I just love saisons. This I would say is a delicate saison. It's it it's very refined. I think the glass. Now, what do they call this glass? Tiku, I believe. A what a tiku? Tiku, T E K U. Oh, a tiku. I believe okay. that's how you say it. This is the perfect glass to drink. This it's a from. fancy. It's a fancy glass for a beer that can be fancy but doesn't have to be fancy. You know. So, and saisons were brewed in Belgium for the seasonal workers yep. so I wouldn't call this a rough farmhouse ale I think this is on the fancy pants side of the spectrum a little bit <laughs> fancy pants you know but but it you know you know it, in a perfect world you could imagine them drinking beers like this I, I don't know if they they had as much stainless steel as, as we have access to now yeah it probably so, didn't have any in a farmhouse you know so there might have been a little bit there might have been some rougher edges to some of those original mm. beers, but I'm sure they were fantastic. So this while we're sipping this saison, then um, I understand that you were in—you've been open for four years, yep. so that makes you uh, 2017. Yep. And in 2020, I think you won the USA Today uh, award for best new brewery yeah. in 2020. So three years later. <laughs> Yeah, I are they a bit slow in the USA Today world? I didn't understand any of that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's flattering, and, and we'll take it. But I, I had never even heard of that award prior to us receiving. <laughs> no <it>. one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, so what? So tell us the history of Roaring Table. Okay, you, you, you're in Lake Zurich. Now, I, yeah. I'm guessing you came from Wisconsin, right? Because you well, talked about Wisconsin my, my, family. So my, my grandfather uh, bought this lot up there in 1942, and he had a, a three-season home on it. And it, when I was young, so we grew up, I grew up in Palatine, just down the road from Oh, okay. Um, but my folks, we'd go up to Lake Geneva on the weekends throughout the summer and the fall. And so all, all like, my really fun memories are kind of Wisconsin memories. I mean, not being at school goofing yeah. off by the lake it's beautiful up there so so when my parents retired in the I guess it was the late 90s they they moved up there because my grandfather had passed on and so ever since then you know that's just kind of when I see my family it's oftentimes we just kind of end up there yeah because my brother lives in DC and my sister lives in Madison and we're we're just over here in Lake Barrington so uh, well you know so I worked at Mickey Finn's I mean, uh, and and I, you know, we want. I think I wanted to have a brewery of my own, but I didn't think it was possible. How did you get to Mickey Finn's? Go back, go back oh, a little bit further. Well, I go mean, back in time. So I was born in Tulsa. <laughs> no. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And but uh, you're an Okie. Yeah, I. I mean, for for prior to my knowledge, yes. Um, I was. We were up in Wisconsin by the time I was two, and in Palatine by the time I was three. So oh, okay. It hardly counts, but yeah. But no, I, I had a. You know, I had a corporate gig in the city, and uh, but then I think it was my sister-in-law who was from Wigan. She oh Wigan yeah oh, oh. Right. she she got she got me a, a a homebrew kit and a how to brew by John Palmer in for Christmas of 2006. 
Wow. And I remember I brewed my first batch a couple days after Christmas of 2006. And I think I, I, I couldn't wait for the bottle to carve up. So I was popping bottles <laughs> probably right around New Year's. And, and, and then that was when the, the, the rabbit hole opened up for me and I started to fall into it. So yeah. the second batch I did was all grain. And then by the, by the next year, I'd graduated from Siebel. And oh, I went okay. to Siebel. Uh, because I, I, I was under the impression that that would kind of give me some seriousness. You know, well, when, I think when it, I, went to I think it gives you a certificate of goodness. You know, you know, you know what you're doing there. Oh, I did this. I did the short course. Okay, yeah, I did the yeah. associate thing. I couldn't afford oh. to go to Germany. Yeah. Uh, my colleagues in the class, some of them went on to Germany for six more weeks, and I ended up getting. Greg hired me. He told me that the reason he hired me was because I had gone to Siebel and that he felt that that showed that I was serious about this. And that's good. Uh, well, Greg, it, uh, it, just just to let the listeners know, that's Greg Brown, who is now the uh, brewer down at Art History in Geneva, and he was the brewer at Mickey Finn's, which he hired you at. Yeah. And you were there for how long? <laughs> I was there for nine years. And he was there for about that time, too. He, right? he, he had been there probably four or five years longer than me. Oh, he had? Yeah, so wow. he, we both were there probably longer than we should have been. But, uh, he, you know, he definitely gave me uh, the, my start in, in, in professional beer and uh, helped me realize what, how little it had to do with any of the things we had talked about in Siebel and how much it had to do with removing mold from the bottoms of cold, <laughs> wet stainless tanks and <laughs> things mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, and so then, uh, you know, you kind of fantasize about having your own place and having control, and it'd be so cool, and, and then you think about how much money it costs, and so it's like, oh, it's probably not going to happen. How, where are we going to get money? And then finally, uh, well, oh, and then I got laid off from my job, and... So that was, well, the little, that was the little shove you needed, maybe? Well, I guess getting laid off from my advertising job was before, was before Mickey Finn's, but, but I think that at some point at Finn's, uh, we just... I think Beth said, let's just, you know, either do this. It's not like we're spring chickens. So we eat, we're either going to do this or not. And so I said, let's, let's see if we can do it. And so we were able to, uh, you know, with the help of my family, uh, scrounge together enough to uh, concept this, this brewery. And then, and then everything becomes more expensive than you thought. And, but we did it. You know, we're, we, we got our... Brewer's notice, and we started brewing beer and selling it to the public, and that's what we're doing to this day. So, so and the rest is history, yes, as they the say. Yes, the rest is history. <laughs> and and <laughs> you're, you're, you're just around the corner, I guess. I don't know, actually, where exactly Phase 3 is located, yeah, they're, but they're in Lake Zurich, somewhere close to They're just here. down the road, which is the name of the collab of beer that we did with them earlier this summer. Uh, I would say it's about a six-and-a-half-minute drive from our parking lot to theirs. Okay, so, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they uh, they took over. Well, they were they had contract brewed with the Lake Zurich Brewing Company, and then I think uh, it was probably the spring of '19 that the, the Lake Zurich Brewing Company people said, "Look, why don't you just buy this space and it's yours?" And so I, and they're doing very well. They just they I was over there a while ago, and they they purchased some additional space. So they're just they're going gangbusters over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So Lake Zurich, uh, you know, from from being a place that I came up to because I knew someone who lived here, and there was a lake, and I thought, oh, this is a nice place to come to. Now becomes, you know, two brewery town, and uh, obviously both 
doing very well. It's it's interesting how uh, it's become a bit of a space with us, I think, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about the idea of like, you know, having a reason for people to come to this town who otherwise would never really think about it. Um, and so having two breweries, you know, and, and we're different, you know, we're, we have different, you know, we're, we're not copycats of each other mm-hmm. in any way. I think that so that so there you could go to one and then go to the other either way and either first or second, second or first and have different experiences that make make it a, a more fun day. Like, let's say you're coming up from the city or something like that. Uh, so I, I think it's super cool that we have uh, we have stuff going on around here that maybe just five or six years ago didn't exist. I was checking out your beer list on the way up here in the car because Phil was kind enough to drive. We drove through that thunderstorm you were talking about. Yeah, it was just big raindrops for us, but raindrops were, were falling on our head. Big raindrops, like <laughs> they hit the windshield and they were like yeah. palm sized, you know, the frogs. Uh, but I saw two beers on the list that really caught my eye, and they have wine, uh, wine uh, varieties, yeah, wine grape varieties listed after yeah. them. So and are they so wines or beers? Is my question. Well, that's that's a, I didn't understand. A, it says a blend, but I, I'm well, curious about those. If the government's listening, and and I'm sure they are, the, <laughs> the yeah, they, they don't have time. There's yeah. 51 percent malt, 51% or more malt beverage in those in those beers to make them and i know that that's the case the, the wine was a uh maybe 20 to 30 percent of the total volume but so ryan who's now my assistant brewer and had previously been a part-time assistant brewer he he spent a lot of years working at perfect brewing company in libertyville and uh i actually worked there a long time ago myself and so hmm. he uh every fall they get grapes from california big truckload full of grapes and they have a destemmer and a presser and one year I was I think the first year we did it I was foolish enough to just say I don't I just want the grapes destem them I'll take the grapes and I'm going to put the grapes in wine barrels top it off with the fooder beer and let it referment for a year and see what happens and that was a, so much work that I will never do that again but the, the resulting beer was pretty cool and so we now have done, uh, we, every fall, we, we try to release uh, a pair of what we call the Enologica series. And it's a, it's, a, it's a fooder beer, wine, hybrid, co-fermented beer that is probably not something you're going to see on a lot of tap lists. But it's I've, fun. I've never seen it. It's fun. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, a brewery that used to be in Denver. Um, and they call them Ono Beers. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that brewery. But they had horizontal tanks, and their serving tanks were horizontal, oh. and they had bags in them, and they actually pushed the beer with air, with compressed air, and because there were bags, it kept the air from right. getting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was Ladders. really unique, but, yeah. but that was, they were almost exclusively wine-beer hybrids. Interesting. Yeah, this is just, these are just like little side projects that we do. I mean, I think we, you know... This is two wine barrels, so maybe maybe three barrels worth of beer at the end of the day, three and a half barrels. So it's it's tiny, but but they're fun and they're unique and they're kind of the people who like them seem to like them quite a bit. That's cool. So, so how do you serve those in 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 these yeah. tiku glasses yeah. and, it, and it's it's bottle conditioned as well. Okay. So you know it's it's a you know we like bottle conditioning. And you have a you have a Bordeaux blend and a yeah, Zinfandel uh, if I remember rightly. Yeah, there's uh, the Bordeaux, the traditional Bordeaux petite 
Vicera, uh, Merlot, and Cabernet, I think, and then another one with Zinfandel and Carignan. Or so um, you're yeah. getting the juice from. So now, the yeah. So after that first year of like trying, like literally pulling grape skins out of a barrel at the end of the year for like two hours in the in the cold rain outside, I said, from now on, we're going to go over there and they're going to press press the grapes for me. We take that fresh juice, add it to our barrels, top it off with the food or beer, it re-ferments, and then we, we save some must, or I guess, you know, it's called pumice. It's the skins of the grapes. Okay. And then uh, freeze that, and then at the end of the year, if we feel that the beer needs some more tannins, we can, we can kind of almost dry hop it. Tannins? Tannins. Tannins. Now, yeah. the tannin, that's the stuff that always is supposed to give you a headache, right, in a it's wine. Kind of that, it's kind of like the stuff that makes your mouth feel like you had green tea. You know, it's it's kind it's of the dry finish. Right? Oh, right. Drying, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It gives, yeah. it gives wine structure. I, I, I think I think the last time I had a glass of wine was probably I don't know, <laughs> fifty years ago. No, I really just wow, really? No, it's not that wine. long. Not that long, no. But it seems that long. I just don't drink wine. You know, I I like to stick with beer. Hmm. And speaking of beer, this saison is just absolutely sitting in this glass delicious as it gets warmer it kind of still retains beautiful flavors it's, it's in it amazing i i've got like i get like the blonde malt flavor you know like just a light malt sweetness yeah there's lemon there's it's just full of it's just delicious it's, it's fantastic really beth is fantastic I, there I, we I, go I, <laughs> i'm a big fan of saisons you know uh more more people should drink Cezanne. It's such a beautiful style, and uh, we're pretty proud of this one, to be honest. Um, you should be. And I, you know, I said yeah. if, we do, if we don't sell this, I will drink it all myself. I, I will literally just drink <laughs> Good it all man. myself. Good yeah. so. man. All right. Well, we're we're gonna take a break and come back and talk about another style that uh, you are brewing for your anniversary, but had some success with in the past. And we'll come back in just a second and find out what that is. We are back, and uh, you'll have to go to the YouTube channel to see how this beer was poured. But um, I, we now all have a little. Uh, now, what's this glass called? That's a good question. I, we, we don't know what say that. I think we call it pub pub glasses. Okay, pub glasses. <laughs> um, we have uh, all got glasses of your tuba solo, tuba correct? Solo. Yes. Which, if I am correct, uh, was your first effort at a hazy, yep. and craft beer and brewing gave it a 99. Now that's pretty darn good for a first effort, is my is my thought. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we were excited. Um, tell us about this cool. hazy whilst I assess this, because yeah. you know how I like hazies, Ken, don't you? Right. Yeah, it's got to be a really good one for me to enjoy it. Okay, carry on, okay. Lane. Well, so uh, the 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 summer of or maybe it was the spring of 2016, prior to opening this place, my brother and I met uh, in, in Boston and took a, a rental car up to Vermont. And uh, on the way out, we, uh, we stopped at the treehouse. It was in a, back then, it was in just this 
country red barn thing and uh, you know it's funny how much things have changed in just five or six years five years right because hazies were just like this rumored thing around here and so we had we went to treehouse and I was silly enough to say, well, where can we sit down and have a pint? And they're like, just take your beers and get out of here. Go to the barbecue place. We don't have, there's no drinking here. I'm like, oh, okay. So we got our cases and we went to this barbecue place. And I think it was, uh, it wasn't Julius. It was bright, bright with Citra. And my brother and I popped these cans and I felt like the whole room of this barbecue place smelled like this orange grove. It was just, just, just like, it was one wow. of those aha moments. And so we drank this beer and I was just like, okay, I, I'm sold. I, I, you know, I knew at that moment that I wanted to try uh, to figure that out. Uh. So, because uh, I never had anything like that before, and so when we got back and we opened the brewery, I think the tuba solo was batch number three or four after I filled the fooder, and I've been playing around with it ever since. But you know, it's definitely it's it's. Uh, my goal with that beer was to to try to make beers like I had tasted that day in in Massachusetts. So, and now everybody, everybody has hazies and it's like a lot of people, including myself, kind of feel like they're hazed out a little bit or a lot. Um, but at the same time, I think there's room for some variety. And so I will definitely say that our, our hazies are, are drier and, and have some bitterness to them. They're not, mm -hmm. uh, they're not as sweet and as soft as, as some other interpretations could be. And, and and I, I hope that's okay because I, I, I prefer it this way. <laughs> so. I'm curious about your um, water, if you do any water chemistry with this. I know we talked about your filtration, you're doing RO water. Yeah, the water here is, is, is really not conducive to brewing, so we, we, we have RO and we start with a water that's basically empty. Mm. And then we have a salt recipe for every beer we make. So, mm. so this beer, you know, chlorides are a big deal. I think we went four to one chloride on this at 200 parts per million chloride, so 50 parts sulfate, maybe. Yeah. And I, I do feel that water chemistry is, it's important for all beers, but it's in, incredibly important for hazies. Yeah, this this has a soft mouth feel. It does. That it requires, I mean, water chemistry mm -hmm. is, it's calcium chloride, right, that you're using? Uh, yeah, amongst others. <laughs> what is the ABV on this? Because I know some of the hazies can go quite high. Yeah. But this seems like it's light. Um, could be deceptive. It's it's seven seven percent. Oh, it is deceptive. Seven percent. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ken, what do you reckon in terms of the flavors you're getting from this? Well, I get. I mean, we tasted it right when he poured it right out of the bright tank. Yep. What you said was. It's at virtually freezing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got like fruit in the beginning, which is so generic. <laughs> and when and but I'm getting like grapefruit, like probably grapefruit is dominant out of this. Really? See, I'm not getting great. So what's the temperature that you would probably serve this at? You know, I think I think 42, 45 okay. degrees would be optimal. So it's coming up almost 10 degrees then from what we've got it out of your uh, tank there. Yeah, I think that it's it sort of is, it's a little tight when it's that cold and then as it warms up, it sort of expresses a little bit more freely, I guess. Because you talked about the grapefruit. I got a ton of like tropical fruits, Stone a mango fruit, or something. Like well, I wasn't getting stone peach. fruits. I was getting pineapple and oh. mango. 
Wow, it's not amazing how we got different different ideas. I, and I get like I get a lot of lime. You get slime. lime. I don't get lime. <laughs> I'm the only limey here. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Hops are so weird, and like you know. So this so this is one of the few recipes that we just repeat. Mm. We haven't. We stop messing with it because it's like, oh, it's maybe it's pretty good. So it's killer. But uh, I mean, it's just. It's I, just I, so fresh. I have to say, as being a non-hazy drinker, this is quite a nice drinking beer. It's, I think it's fairly light in terms of the, the how you think it is when you drink it. But yeah. you know, with a seven percent kick behind it, yeah. you know, a couple of these are. I, I think I'd probably only have one, but that you're right about the the bitterness at the end and the dryness, and that yeah. that's. And I've always good. been attracted to that. I just I feel, I prefer. Uh, this style with with some underlying beer-like characters that you know, if it if it tastes just like juice, I'm impressed mm. that you can mm. do that. But I'm not necessarily desiring another another glass of it. Yeah. Whereas with this, unfortunately, I can have several. <laughs> um, but for the hops, I think it, we we settled on uh, Citra, and these are no-brainer hops: Citra, yeah. Galaxy, Eldorado, and uh, Simcoe. No Simcoe. Oh, no Simcoe for you. There's something else. Oh, Mosaic. Mosaic, yeah, Eldorado, mosaic Galaxy, and Citra. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't encountered Barry in the character yet, but that's what I would expect out of Mosaic. Oh, really? Okay. That's, but that it's just like, it, it's, I don't know. Is this what you get when you drink a, a beer that's like a fruit bowl? You get all, you know, and whatever your palate is sensitive to. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't brought up on drinking beer that tasted like a fruit bowl. So I, this is a new experience for me. <laughs> this is why but, hazies are so popular because it's so easy drinking. You don't have to develop a taste for this. When you, most of us, when mm. we had our first beers, you had to, like, force it down, man. I mean, it was. I was not like that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, and that probably it's unfortunate for my collegiate career, but I like beer the very first sip I had. I think it was a Coors that I had a sip of in the mountainside country on a on a family uh, camping trip when I was maybe eight or nine years old, and I enjoy I enjoy the flavor of beer from the first time I tasted it, and uh, I have suffered the consequences ever since. <laughs> so. I've I was enamored with the effect of it. <laughs> My first beer I found when I was delivering papers in an apartment route it, when I was about 12. <laughs> it was sitting on the stairs, and <laughs> nice who knows cold. how long it had been there. And, of course, I opened yep. it and drank it. Yep. Yeah, I could imagine a little can on his bike, riding along, throwing exactly. the paper out. You know, Whoa, no, there it was we go. an apartment Woo. route. I had Come a bag on. over my Hello shoulder. How are you? I'm driving along. You know. <laughs> it's a bit, the job becomes a little easier after that, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that was a rough start. but So um, we've talked about the hazy. It's obviously a popular beer here. What is the profile of the beer drinker who comes into Roaring Table? Your locals from from the Lake Zurich area. Uh, you know, this is a family town. Um, I would say that uh, while we get we get plenty of young couples, we also I would say that a lot of our regulars are are mature, whatever whatever you know. Old farts like me. Yeah. I okay. Guess. There well, we go. And I have to include myself in the category as well. <laughs> uh, so it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like my memories of living in the city, mm. obviously. But uh, 
you know, I always felt like that was the fun thing was why, you know, just because you move out to the suburbs doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to go to some cool place and have good beer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we always, it's always fun when we see young people come in, <laughs> but it, it doesn't happen often enough so that it's, it's, it, you get, we have never gotten used to that. I always like, hey, look, there's people who are probably 23 years old over there. That's so exciting, you know? Uh, so, so having said that, what, what? style beer really is your best seller here oh that's such I mean, a, he's gonna say hazy <laughs> well that that was the case for a while i'm not yeah. so sure anymore I, I we've been focusing on lagers for the last year or so like mm. really pushing our lager game forward and so i think a lot of our our, our regular customers are are really down with like a good you know we have a czech pills on lucre faucet we have a german pills we have had hellas we you know, Kolsch is in the lager, but that was very popular as well. Mm -hmm. um, we do a Schwarzbier, we, the Doppelbox coming up. So lagers have big, you know, I'm pushing hard for lagers to be like cool again. And, and, and our customers have, you know, because I used to have to beg what Beth to like, hey, can I make a lager? Well, no, you got to make another hazy. You gotta, now she's like, okay, yeah, make another lager. We're, you know, make another lager. Because she looks at the numbers. So I, I do think that lagers are something that we're, and, and it's, it's music to my ears, of course. Cause yeah, and I think that uh, they, they said last year was going to be the year of the lager. They said this year, year was going to be the year of the lager. I mean, essentially, that's going back to the German roots. And you said you didn't take the German portion of the course. I but missed out. I, I you know. it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's also, you know, the lower alcohol that most lagers have. Yeah. The clean taste and the, the fact that you can have multiples yeah. mm. and not lose yeah. your mind. Yeah. Right. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, I don't like, I do not like really high ABV beers other than once in a blue moon for a special occasion. Mm -hmm. I, I like to drink beer. Therefore, I like beers that are in lower ABV so right. I can continue to be, you know, upright and drink them. So like sessionable beers, everybody should, should understand how important they are because, you know, it's, it's cool to see some kind of 10% triple whatever but like yeah. how many i mean i to me i'm just i need to go to bed i have one of those <laughs> and i'm like all right i have to go to bed now see it's interesting because i i like to have uh high abv beer but i like to share that beer okay because you know typically it's you know in a in a what well now they're coming in pints but they used to come in 22 ounce bombers bombers and things so you'd share that out and you get yeah. three glasses and everybody would no, that's ah, fantastic that's, and it'd be cool. a sipper yeah but what you say about having, you know, sessionable beers, or as I we like to call them, pintable beers, you know, yeah. um, definitely your uh, hand pool that you have there gives you a fantastic pint. Yeah. Now your your saison, yeah, this is the perfect glass for that, the perfect size, fantastically enjoyable. I want more of it, but I don't want to have a pint of it, right. you know, because it spoils yeah. the it spoils the treat, you know. And you know this is already head, heading up towards six point seven percent. Yeah. Right. So it's like that's something you have to maybe. That's share. pretty high for a saison, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, but f I think t two people over dinner, it's a perfect perfect size for that. Yeah. But you're right. You're not going to sit and pull pine after pine of saison like that. Yeah. Whereas the four point two percent bitter, come on, you can have several. Yes. I as I said, uh, you said people grew up, well, they they drank domestic beers and then now they're drinking hazies as their first beer my first beer was an english mild have you brewed an english mild we have 
Yes, right. we had it on Casca. Oh my God, I missed it. We, there's, a, there's a guy named Kyle up in Milwaukee at 1840. And, uh, I know 1840. Okay. I just had a couple of their beers. Yeah, they do a really. Prickly Pear IPA. Yeah, they do all kinds Sounds of cool Sounds awful, stuff. was great. Yeah. <laughs> he came in uh, prior to COVID. I, I think it was prior to COVID. And we did this collab kind of on the. He was down. He had to pick somebody up at O'Hare and, and contacted us and said, hey, let's brew some. I said, let's do a mile. I, you know, I, I don't want to do something cool. And it was, it was delicious. Absolutely wonderful. And we had it on cask. And, uh, you know, I know Kyle does a lot of exotic stuff but he he has an appreciation for the basics as well so if you think about the proliferation of breweries most breweries wouldn't brew a lager before because they had to limited tank space and you had to turn your beer around pretty quick to keep up and now there's so many breweries volume has gone down for a lot of people and they have tank space to do lagers so yeah. that is probably another reason for the proliferation of loggers across across the spectrum you know yeah well um i want to come back in the last segment and talk about what's in the future for you know for roaring table where you see yourself going we'll be back in a second back for our final segment here and uh thankfully uh, Lane went to the back, got his little curly Q thing out again. Pigtail. His pigtail. Got his pigtail out. And uh, he drew us three glasses of his Luxuriator, which is a Doppelbock. And if you know anything about Doppelbocks, I think the first one was Salvatore, Salvatore. if I remember right. Yeah. And since then, all the Doppelbocks have A-T-O-R at the end of it. Um, I don't know why, but... <laughs> It's, it's just fun, the way it goes. Yeah. Trend, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're drinking this one, Ken, uh, in a little small uh, snifter glasses, fresh from the tank, a little cold. And I think a Doppelbock tends to be better when it's warmed. So we're, we're holding them carefully. But I said, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about um, the beers that you're, you would love to drink. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And the beers that you would love to brew regardless of any cost time or whatever yeah. thing so i gave you a chance yeah on that no one. what for, do you reckon for me it's lagers right now i'm 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 just hugely into lagers i love lagers i think that there's so much nuance and and you can if you i mean you you can get as deep into lagers as you want or you could just drink them and that's fine too so but but in terms of like i think that there's this misapprehension especially by some craft people who maybe just recently got into crafts who uh who think that they're boring and stupid because you know just because the corporate beers happen to be lagers but um you know and i always say well a t technically the corporate beers are probably the best beers ever mm. made on the planet but b even if you think they're kind of boring which i tend to agree with sort of here and there but although i still will have some but uh but lagers can be just a delight there there's a huge spectrum of flavors in lagers it's mm -hmm. it, it rewards nuance and appreciation of subtlety as opposed to hitting you over the head and after you've been hit over the head a, a number of times, maybe you want to try something else, right? Like, so lagers for me are, you know, that's for the past year, we've been focusing on lagers and we want to continue to focus on lagers. And if people will buy and drink lagers, then, you know, great, because that means we can keep doing this. Do you think so, that the, the Pilsner and the Kolsch are at one end and the Doppelbock and other 
extra heavy lagers, I guess we could call them, are at the other end. Well, I mean, it shows the spectrum, right? Like yeah. I was, so I was at my friend Dan's uh, brewery in, in Woodstock called Kishwaukee on Saturday, and he had a Baltic Porter, which is a lager, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. such a, you know, I think his was, I think his was like low eights, but he served it in, oh, a, in a snifter glass like yeah. this. And it was, you know, that was, we had, you know, I'd had a, several lagers and then I, I, that was the finishing beer for the night and just absolutely delightful and like such a range between, you know, starting with his fest beer, I'm talking about his brewery, not mine, but <laughs> you know, the range of flavors that right. you can get out of, out of clean, beautiful German malt and German hops and German yeast. It's just, it's wonderful, right? And you have uh, recent, well, I don't know if it's recently, but you've got a beer garden? Which I think you're advertising. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a space outside, right? It's a, it's a, it's some it's some uh, it's a nice little space for a strip mall. It's it, it it's not uh, alpine necessarily. <laughs> so, so so have you uh, brewed a Oktoberfest or similar? Yeah, we have we have fest beer in cans and on draft. Okay. Uh, I prefer the fest style over the the Meritzen style personally. I think it's just hmm. more. Uh, you know, apparently, that's what they they drink over in Munich. Um, and so it's a, it's a blonde, it's kind of a souped-up Hellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I like Meritzen as well, but I prefer Fest beer. But, but yeah, so we have, a, we have a German Pilsner on draft. We have the Fest beer on draft. We have a Czech Pils on draft. Um, we have a dry-hopped lager on draft. You, you touched on that Pils, I think, on how you're pouring it. You have a different tap. You're For the, the, so the Czech lager, we have a Luker faucet. Which is that side pull? It's a slow pour. Yeah, so it's slow pour is typically. My understanding is that you do that with a regular faucet, and you just take time to let the foam Squeeze subside the foam and then refill right. and subside. The Luker is a ball valve, and so depending on how much you choose to open that faucet, you can either cream it and get a full glass of milk. So we we do offer a milk pour, which is kind of fun. Uh, it's just you drink the foam, you get a pint of foam. <laughs> <laughs> and so apparently that's a thing in, in Czechoslovakia. But Is it? Uh, yeah. Really? For sure. Oh, wow. Um, First time I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. And it it's basically ends up being about a half a pour. So let, let's say you're, you just want a half. Is it half price then? We, we give it to you for half price. Oh, yeah. look at that. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's just, the foam is really f- delicious. It's a wet foam. And so it's a really fun style. And so the Luker faucet is, I guess, is the original. It, it creates a, fo- a custard of foam similar to a slow pour, but in my opinion, it's, it's superior to that because the slow pours tend to have this, uh, the dry foam, which it, it accentuates the bitter compounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the, the, this is like, like beer ice cream. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, ha- oh, speaking of beer ice cream, have you gone into the slushy area? I am, I have a gray beard and I'm grumpy, and so I have resisted that <laughs> with like all you, my might. <laughs> I like you, like. <laughs> I really don't want to have to do yeah. that. I just don't have any interest in that, and I hope that people will drink the lager so that we don't yeah. have to do that. I don't know. That Cezanne in a, in a smoothie <laughs> form. <laughs> what? Sacrilegious. Ken, Ken, Ken. So as we sit here, um, the Doppelbock is warming yeah. up and releasing more of the flavors. And the real, I think it's a real intense, um, so it's, it's kind of like a, um, a, the, the alcohol intensity is there, but it's only like, what, this is seven, eight percent, seven point one percent. but you get that 
intense maltiness. It's of, it's so malt. much more than like an English pint, right? Yeah. yeah, a lot of malt sweetness that balances that. So mm. I don't get any heat from alcohol at all. That's malt good. sweetness, That's yeah. This yeah. is it's a it's kind of a chewy beer. The viscosity is pretty high. I yeah. love it. Man. Very popular on the Star Wars set. I know the chewy beer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I guess final question for you: Where is Roaring Table going? Where do you see yourself? Um, I mean, you've been through the pandemic year. Yeah, you, you've survived that, obviously. Um, where do you here. see yourself going in the next couple of years? Well, our, our plan has all along been to uh, have a phase two or plan B or whatever. Not a phase three. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I almost know. said that. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to step on their toes. This yeah. is just, but we would like to uh, uh, have a production brewery. And that's what we're, we're we were kind of rolling pretty well before COVID. And so initially we thought it could happen in three years. And now it, it looks like it, more realistically, it'll be five years. But uh, to have a, uh, a, a, you know, hopefully be able to keep this space, but also have a production focused mm. place where we could send beer out into the world more uh, in more volume. Do you self distribute now? We do, we do. But none, okay. none of this stuff was designed to be a, to, you know, a production. It's, this was all taproom focus. That was mm. the business model. So we've been kind of shoehorning it right but it's it's we would like to have like a real a real brew house and a real space that was conducive to that so and last question favorite tv show you're watching at the moment so now i'm going to sound like a douchebag because I, I just don't watch tv oh well that's okay <laughs> I, I, I watch sports that's it i'm just you know I don't okay what are you then what teams you know that's, I'm, I, this is bad. I, I, He's going to say Packers. I know he is. Uh, <laughs> I, oh I, I'm, I'm just going to go no comment on this one. Oh. I, I like I like, uh, I like the Cubs All right, and the good Bears man. And, and, and the Sox sometimes even. So I'm cool. You're a Chicago man. I, I, I can tell. I kind of. I kind of am. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute gas. Ken, do you have any final comments I, or questions? I would like to comment on the brewery itself and the fact that we went back there and usually I look to see which brewery supplier made their brewery in that. But this brewery is actually milk tanks yeah. from what? Wisconsin probably, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Vir- Wisconsin, I believe. It's amazing. Um electric uh electric heat yep and you're producing fantastic beers very clean very true to style and delicious and and with with equipment that wasn't meant to do this it's 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 awesome well you know i was inspired by some other guys who who managed with less than perfect equipment and it was the difference between being able to do this and not doing it at all so I will say that if you are willing to put in the, the elbow grease, you can, you can make, I think, just as good a beer as, as the next person uh, with less than stellar equipment. You just have to, it just is more effort. And, and you know, we, we feel like, yeah, we're, we can do this. It's, we got to put in a little bit more here and there time-wise. But the beer, if the beer tastes good, then, then the equipment works, right? Awesome. You got to know the nuances of the temperatures and, you know, how long to boil and all all those subtleties that are the 20 percent of actual brewing and the 80 percent of cleaning, cleaning yeah. there you go
Sorry that uh, Beth wasn't here. Well, we're, we're very sorry because we would love to have her on well, the show. You can have her for a whole separate episode. Oh, I say. There we go. <laughs> she, can, she can talk about brewery bookkeeping. and. Oh, that'd be exciting. Right? Yeah, right. Definitely. <laughs> so do you have enough beer in your glass, Ken, left of the uh, fantastic Doppelbot that we can do a cheers with? I think I so. We do. It's good night from me. And good night from him. And good night, Lane. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, guys. Here we go. Let's, let's do it in front of a, a microphone. Hang on, let me swing the mic around. There we go. Much better. I like a good clink at the end. <laughs> Cheers, Lane. Thanks a lot. Cheers. All right. Cheers, guys. Let's go and dive into his photo, shall we? Let's go get in that cooler over there with oh, the yeah, wine he's got some, beers. He's got some wine beers in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is he looking? Okay. No. Britain Yankee! Britain Yankee! I'll have a pint, Yankee. Go, give us a pint. You got any tetanus? A pint, please, Bob. Give another pint. 